Good day and welcome to another episode of the International News Desk. Whether you are tuning in on SL Podcasts at CLZA, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Mackie King 96.7 Game Time, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Roberts. And of course, Mr. Kurt Buckerfield. How are you, my friend? Sean, I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Very well. We missed you last week, Kurti. Hope you're feeling better, but so much to get through this week, I guess. Um, let's start off with your man, Ronaldo. Obviously, been all over the news. He's left United. That little, um, I guess, speech or interview with Piers Morgan has worked in his favour because I guess this is what he, he wanted out of it. Um, and now a massive move on the cars to Saudi Arabia. What's happening? Yeah, so, so that's, um, that's the news, at least. It's been confirmed by a couple of top sort of journalists around the world, including Fabrizio Romano, that the Saudi Arabian side, Al Nasser, has actually submitted... Um, a formal sort of proposal to Ronaldo where mm-hmm. he will be earning really, really big money um, until the age of 40. He's 37 now. Um, there is no, nothing confirmed in terms of whether he's accepted the deal or whether he is even seriously considering the deal. But um, the offer is on the table. Um, Ronaldo is, of course, a free agent at this World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, his Manchester United contract was mutually terminated just a few days before, maybe even a day before Portugal kicked off their World Cup campaign. So, yeah, it's been confirmed that he has this offer on the table. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I understand that it's really big money that Ronaldo would probably struggle to turn down. I think anybody would struggle to turn it down. Um, but I just feel like Ronaldo might still believe he could offer something in Europe um, yes. at a top club, but I think that will just depend on the interest. Um, he did say in that interview with Piers Morgan that he did have offers from many clubs. Um, I guess it's now the time to find out whether those clubs will be back, back in for him, whether that was true. Um, this Al Nasser side did actually submit a formal offer. I think it, it, it was at the start of the season um, when Ronaldo was trying to leave Manchester United. But he ultimately, at least he said to Piers Morgan in that interview that he ultimately decided to stay at the club because he felt comfortable. Um, now, a part of me believes that Ronaldo didn't really want to call it quits on European football at the time. And I don't think that he that he wants to do that right now. Yeah. But if this is the only offer on the table, at least the, the best offer on the table, um, then then maybe he'll take it. It's, um, yeah, but like you say, I just, I, I can't see it happening from my side. I, I still think the ego is too big for him to do something like this. I think he still believes he can possibly win the Champions League, um, sign for a massive team. You know, it's not always about money at this level, is it? I mean, he's made his money. He's a bit, so yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one. It is a weird one, Just, but I guess it's going to depend on, like, like I said, the interest from other European clubs. As far as we know, there hasn't been any. Yeah. Um, Bayern Munich have recently announced that well, not announced, but they were asked about it. And Oliver Kahn said that they considered a, a move for Ronaldo, but it's not an option that they're going to take. Um, I think Real Madrid will be off the table. PSG mm-hmm. would probably be off the table. Um, I think if there's another club in the Premier League that might be interested in Ronaldo, it would, would be Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that they wanted him at the start of the season when the new owner came in, but Thomas Tuchel decided against it. Um, which ultimately ended up costing him his job. Um, So I I think that will depend on discussions between Graham Potter and Todd Bowley at Chelsea, but um, that move hasn't been totally sort of ruled out yet. 
Mm. Um, but let's see, let's see. I, I just don't, I don't see like a Real Madrid. Definitely not a Barcelona. I don't think he goes back to Italy. Mm. Um, I don't see another top, top European club coming in for Ronaldo at this point. Yeah. Um, besides Chelsea, possibly. Be- besides Chelsea. So it will very much depend on what they want to do. Um, but let's see. I, yeah, I just can't see Ronaldo leaving Europe right now because he's still backed himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and rightly so, I guess. Um, and his performance in the World Cup? He's actually not playing too badly. I think that a lot of people have been really harsh on him following that interview. A lot of United fans mm. are now sort of only pointing out the, the negatives from his performances. But I don't think he's been too bad. Uh, he scored in their opening game against Ghana. Um, I think it was that penalty. He didn't have a terrible game. And then he was very good in their most recent group game. Um, I'm struggling to remember who that was against now. He came off, but let me just... It was against um, Uruguay. Yeah. He came off in the 80th minute when the game was pretty much wrapped up. But he had a decent performance. Um, yeah, I think people are just kind of jumping on his case now. And they're trying to... They're trying to claim that he shouldn't be starting for this Portugal team, which I just, I don't agree with. It is Ronaldo at the end of the day. Um, and I think that for an opposition defender, it is still quite a thing to have to go up against Cristiano Ronaldo, who is one of the greatest players of all time, regardless of whether he has the ability that he had. You know, and we know he doesn't have the ability that he had 10 years ago or five years ago. Mm. It's still Cristiano Ronaldo. He's still a threat. Um, there is still that sort of aura about him um, and uh, we know that Ronaldo likes to come up in big matches and perform so yeah I think that uh, he's having a decent World Cup so far um, yeah not too bad yeah and like you say the, the ability for him in the 92nd minute just to pull something worldy out the out of his locker to, you know, whatever that may be. But let's just stay with the World Cup, obviously. Um, I don't know where to start here, Kurti. Uh, there's, there's so much been going on in the past couple of weeks or 10 days or so. Um, let's just start with Belgium. You, you briefly mentioned that there's been a, some scaffolds off the field. I didn't read that. What, what's the story there? Yeah, so following their 2-0 loss against <coughs> Morocco um, this week, I think it was actually this weekend, this past weekend, um, there was a, a changing room, a dressing room bust up between Jan Vertonghen, Eden Hazard, Kevin De Bruyne, um, with Romelu Lukaku having to separate them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this was off the back of comments made by Kevin De Bruyne to the press, where he essentially ruled out Belgium from winning the World Cup, even before they had lost to Morocco. Um, which I think as a fan, that's the last thing you want to hear from your <laughs> best player. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't really think that that sort of breeds confidence. No. Um, but De Bruyne was saying that he felt like their best chance was in 2018 and that the team is probably a bit too old now. Yeah. Um, then after they lost against Morocco, Tatungan is asked um, about the, the, the result and he says that, I don't know, maybe we're a bit too old, sort of taking a, a subtle jab at, at De Bruyne. Um, sure. Now, from what it looks like, that comment was obviously made in the press conference, which would have been after he showered, after he's gone to the dressing room with his teammates. Um, and apparently that's what that's when that little scuffle took place. Um, and, you know, it's it's true. It's it, Thibaut Courtois has just come out now to say that um, if they find out who leaked that story to the to the press, that player won't play for Belgium again. So he's essentially confirming that that's a real story that really happened. Um, 
And then there's just more drama sort of behind the scenes. I've, I've read that Leandro Trossard and Eden Hazard don't speak. They don't get on at all. Um, we know that Courtois and De Bruyne don't speak at all. Two of their most high-profile players following. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, in 20, I think it was 2014 or actually many years ago now, De Bruyne's girlfriend had a little affair with Courtois. Oh, yeah. So those two don't get on. They don't speak. They... Um, are just teammates and that's it. So there was this mole in the changing room that sort of leaked all of these stories very recently. And uh, yeah, it's uh, not boding well for Roberto <laughs> Martinez. Drama llama, bro. It's uh, incredible. Let's just let, let's move on to Argentina quickly. Um, obviously, probably the most horrific start and probably the biggest upsets, I guess, of the World Cup, in my opinion, so far. Um, but then the last couple of games slowly becoming the Argentina we know, especially last night. Yeah, um, so obviously it was a huge shock against Saudi Arabia. Hmm. Um, I think in hindsight, you know, it's convenient now to say that it might have been the best thing for them. Hmm. But I think it forced them to sort of reevaluate themselves and take a hard look in the mirror because they are a really strong side and you saw that against um, Poland. They were, they were excellent. They were. I think it was arguably one of the strongest performances from any team at this World Cup so far. Where wow. it was just total domination, whether it was on the ball, defensively, in chance creation, that fighting spirit. They were absolutely excellent. Mm. Um, Messi missed a penalty, but still had a decent game. Um, and then the likes of Kevin uh, Alexis McAllister mm. and the Brighton midfielder getting on the score sheet along with... Um, Julian Alvarez, your Man City boy. Come on. Um, a really, really strong performance. So I think that, you know, at this World Cup, it's seven games if you get to the final and you don't want to peak too soon. You want to peak at the right time. And I think that, I think if you look at past winners, there's been a few occasions where the winner, the eventual winner of the tournament lost their first game. Mm -hmm. And I think it sort of forces you to stop and go, okay, wait. We, we aren't just going to walk over teams. We're going to actually have to fight for this. And Argentina did that very well against Mexico, where they didn't look to be... They didn't look to to be creating any chances. They didn't look to be going through to the next round at that point when Messi scores that goal from outside the box. Mm. I think it was in the 63rd minute or something like that. Um, but it's a performance like that that really... Um, that really inspires the team to then go on and perform better, defend better, um, fight with more aggression and they did that against Poland they were excellent um, so I still think that at this point you know after now topping the group they could be still considered among the favourites they've got Australia in the next round which yeah. you know, they should beat Australia um, of course anything can happen uh, oh happened happened happen. um, <laughs> yeah so they're, they're a really strong side they played much better against Poland and Mexico than they did against Saudi Arabia so yeah. I really wouldn't write them off yeah, I mean, so, you know, I've called Argentina from day one. Um, you know, I, I, I did say Spain to be the, the biggest underwhelmers, but they've proved me completely wrong. Um, she was. I mean, I didn't see that coming. They've been excellent. That first game where they just sort of knocked Costa Rica off the park, I think it was 7-0. Yeah. Um, and then against Germany, they were excellent too. They obviously ended up drawing that game, but the football that they are playing is, yeah, it's beautiful to watch. Um, I still worry about their number nine position. They brought Alvaro Morata on in their first two group games from the bench and he scored in both games. Yeah. And um, so you have to wonder 
whether Luis Enrique will soon wanting to be starting with him up front. Mm-hmm. Um, because right now they're going with Marcos Asensio, the Real Madrid midfielder, um, sort of in a false nine position. But yeah. no, the beautiful football they're playing, it's its a joy to watch. And some young superstars on that side, Pedri, Gabi. Um, yeah, it's, it's great to watch. Let's touch on England. I mean, you don't want to get too excited just yet because you know what the English are like. But um, <laughs> not bad. Um, defensively, still very concerning, but, but up front, uh, lethal. Yeah, um, I'm just really happy to see Marcus Rashford doing well yeah. in an England shirt again. Um, and just doing well in general. But no, England have been good. They, they draw against USA was really underwhelming. And I think that a lot of fans were unhappy with that performance. Yeah. Um, they didn't create great chances. Um, they sort of had to defend for large parts of the game. But uh, no, they've advanced from uh, Group B with relative ease. I think that... Um, They've, yeah, so they've been drawn against Senegal in the round of 16, um, which should be a really, really good game. Mm. But this is England, Sean. It's never going to be sort of that free-flowing, attacking, fun football that you want to watch. No. But they have really strong players in every position. Um, and there's no reason why they can't go all the way. Um, it's just going to depend on the day. It's going to depend on individuals. But it's a it's a good side. Um yeah, it's a good side. And that performance against Wales was really good. And I'm sure fans will be wanting to see more of that. Yeah, agreed. Uh, let's touch on France quickly. Um, obviously, um, riddled with injuries before the World Cup. Uh, didn't go their way last night, but haven't been playing too badly. No. And you know what? France France is sort of the side where they don't need to be playing well to win. Yeah. They did it at the 2018 World Cup. Um, they had a few games, of course, where they, they dominated. Um, they dominated Croatia in the final, which was, of course, when it counted. But um, they sort of got through the tournament on individual moments from big players. And that's exactly what they'll be at this World Cup. And they're getting that from Mbappe. Yeah. They're getting that from Giroud. But it, in particular, Mbappe, who at 23 years old, you know, for, for all of the sort of things that happen off the field, all the antics... Um, I know that the French media sometimes slate him. Um, he is a genuine world-class player. Yes. And I think that he will be around for the next 10, 15 years at this level. I think he's that good. Mm. Um, so if France have a, a player like that in their ranks, um, you just can't write them off. No matter how defensively poor they might be, how much sort of possession they might give away, France will always be one of the favourites because of the individual talent that they have. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he goes from second gear to fifth gear in literally two seconds. It's incredible to watch. Um, yeah, let, let, let's touch on um, the African teams. Uh, possibly a bit of a, a sour story, but let the listeners know what's happened to the, the Cameroonian camp and the, <laughs> the goalkeeper. Yeah, so earlier this week um, when Cameroon was, I think, just an hour before kickoff against Serbia, um, it was the, the, the rumour mill had said that Andre Onana, who plays for Inter Milan, formerly of Ajax Amsterdam, is actually from Barcelona's academy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a real sweeper keeper, plays well with his feet. And the news was that he was sent home from the tournament um, following a disagreement with head coach Rigabe Song. Um, and it's reportedly because Song had asked him to sort of adapt his style to, to sort of be more of a traditional goalkeeper. Um, so he was talking, I think, specifically about Onana's goal kicks. Mm. He doesn't really want to kick long. He likes to play it short. Um, and Onana, we believe, didn't want to do that. Um, at least that's what 
the Cameroonian camp, um, the Cameroon FA have said. Um, so they released a statement confirming that he had been sent home from the tournament and that they were focusing on squad harmony. Um, Onana himself then put out a statement, I think a day later, to say that he tried everything he could to find the best possible solution in those conversations with Song and the coaching staff. But he said that there was no will from the other side to do that, to find the best solution. So he was uh, he was sent home and will play no further part in the World Cup. Um, he's been their number one for, I think, four or five years now. Um, oh. He was their first choice at the 2019 AFCON, at last year's AFCON, um, actually this year's AFCON. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really strange story. And then they go and concede three goals in that game against Serbia. Something smells fishy. I mean, if he's, if he, you know what kind of goalkeeper he is coming into the World Cup, you know what kind of style he plays. Um, that doesn't cut it for me. Um, something, something's gone on. It's, it's a, it's a weird one. And you as a goalkeeper know more about it than I do, but I find it really, really strange. I mean, he's, he's, he's been sort of over the last five, six years, yeah. rated as one of the, the best young goalkeepers in the world, mm-hmm. um, best young sweeper keepers. He really is excellent with his feet. He's a good shot stopper. Um, I mean, he earned a big move to, to Inter Milan a couple of seasons ago now. So it's a strange one for me. I, I wonder how that conversation went. Yeah. I wonder if it's because Regabe Song and Cameroon want to be sort of ultimately conservative at the back. Uh, sorry, totally conservative at the back. And they don't want to take any risks. Um, but this is a goalkeeper who's been playing like that for you know, a a long time now. And he is obviously very comfortable with that and feels maybe like he was being sort of unfairly targeted. Um, I don't think that he he would have been dropped had he agreed to adapt his style. Um, But yeah, really strange one. Yeah, it's it's such a shame. Um, And a shame for African football, I guess. Senegal into the last 16, exciting times. Uh, But like you said, uh, up against uh, a... a strong England. A, a very strong England, of course, without Sadio Mane. Yeah. But you know what? Senegal have put in some decent performances. They they have a good side with or without Mane. Um, obviously, they would have loved to have had their, their star man um, at the tournament. But six points out of three games, it's, it's a pretty healthy return. I'm sure that not many would have pe- not many people would have tipped them to advance from the group um, after that injury to Mane and after it was confirmed that he would miss the World Cup. But... <laughs> They've now found themselves in a really good position. Of course, they have to face a really strong England side, but it's knockout football. Anything can happen. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, and Katie, I think you know we've covered quite a bit. Is there anything else that obviously a couple of games coming up um, this Saturday? Netherlands, USA, Argentina, Australia. Um, your thoughts on those quickly before we we, we vacate? Yeah. So I think that I think that USA have a really good good chance to beat Netherlands. Um, Netherlands haven't been fun to watch. Um, they they have a good player in Cody Gakpo, that's yeah. Manchester United linked player who's now scored three goals in three games. But I think that USA could surprise, and I think they have surprised already a few teams. Um, they play sort of an attacking, um, fun style of football. There's a lot of energy. It's a young, very very young squad. Um, and Louis Van Gaal, we know what kind of football that he plays, um, and it's not always the most ambitious. So. I do think that USA could surprise them. I think Argentina advanced with, I, I want to say, relative ease against Australia. It's a knockout game. Like I said, now anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but the game, Sean, that I want to just quickly sort of preview um, 
not in, in in great detail, but it's the the game on Friday, which is against uh, which is between Ghana and Uruguay. Obviously, a lot of history there, following what happened at the 2010 World Cup. True. And the winner of that game um, stands a really good chance of qualifying from the group. So there's a lot on the line, a lot at stake. Um, Ghana have been playing some really really fun football. They probably should have got a point against Portugal in their opening game. Um, I'm not sure if you saw that near blunder by the goalkeeper, the Portuguese goalkeeper in, yes. in the last kick there. But then Ghana beating South Korea, um, playing some really exciting, fun football with that Mohamed, uh, Mohamed Kudus, the Ajax Amsterdam midfielder. Um, it's, it's really like, it's so strange because Ghana in qualifying weren't fun, weren't good. They just scraped past South Africa. Mm. But um, tournament Ghana is a whole different thing, I suppose. Yeah. Now they've got yeah Uruguay, and, and hopefully if they if they get a result there, they they qualify from the group and they go into the the, the last sixteen. Incredible, which will be played on Monday, I believe, or Tuesday, I think. Monday and Tuesday, there's some games. Uh, France Poland on Sunday. Uh, you would think France Poland no pushover there. No pushover, but I, I think that France advance there. Poland advance from the group with four shots on target. Four shots on target the entire group stage and they advance. Um, I don't think that they stand much of a chance, but um, yeah, let's let's wait and see. Okay. And 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 your your opinion on England Senegal? Do you think England a bit too strong? I think England should beat them. I think they they probably are a bit too strong. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that it's, it's going to be a walkover. It'll be a narrow. 1-0, 2-0 win for me. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, Kurti, as usual, thank you so much. I look forward to next week because there'll be a lot to talk about. Um, and that is how we wrap up this episode of the International News Desk. So whether you have been listening on SL Podcasts at Ciudad Today, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Mikey King 96.7 Game Time, thank you for tuning in. I've been your host, Sean Roberts. And of course, Mr. Kurt Buckerfield. Thank you, sir. Cheers, Sean. Thank you. Cheers.